Okay, here is a story about the great Tzaddik, Rabbi Melech of Lizensk. Rabbi Melech of Lizensk was the brother of Reb Zusha of Anipoli. Now, Rabbi Melech was a very great Tzaddik. One of the special things about Rabbi Melech was that he was extremely humble. Though he was such a great tzaddik, a halakhic tzaddik, he always would speak about himself as someone who's not worthy of anything. Once that he's not worthy of anything, that he doesn't deserve anything because he's not good, he doesn't deserve Hashem enough. He always felt his, 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 all his avidus Hashem, all the things that he does for Hashem is nothing. Because Hashem deserves a lot more. One day, the Alter Rebbe met a very famous Misnag Desherov. And the Misnag Desherov had a safer under his bench, on the floor. When the Alter Rebbe entered, the Misnag Desherov said to the Alter Rebbe, Do you know the author of this safer, the one who wrote the safer? The Sefer was none other than the Heilekir Sefer, Noem Alimelech, of Rabbi Alimelech of Vizhensk. So the Alter Rebbe said, sure, I know the author. So the Misnag Veshorov asked, can you tell me about him? What is he like? The Alter Rebbe said, if you took him, the author himself, and you put him under your bench on the floor, he wouldn't care either. That's the kind of author he is. Now, the Misnag Desherov understood what the Alter Rebbe meant. Now, Rabbi Limelech had many Talmidim. But one of his main Talmidim was the famous Rabbi Yaakov Yitzchak of Lublin, also known, probably more known, by the name the Chayzer of Lublin. The Chayzer of Lublin was a very halakhic tzaddik, and he got the name Chayzer from the word Chayzer seeing. He was the seer of Lublin. Why did they call him the Chayzer, the seer of Lublin? Because he was so famous for his Ruach HaKadosh. He would see things that normal people can't see. He could see things across the world, right? And he could see things across time. Like in the future, he would know what was going to happen in the future. And he would tell it to people, and he would guide people based on that information. But the Chayzer Lublin was first young. When he was a Talmud of Rabbi Melech, he was not yet living in the city of Lublin. He was known as Rabbi Yankov Yitzchak of Lancet. Lancet is another city in Poland. And he would come very often to Lezhensk, to his Rebbe, Rebbe Melech, to spend Yontif of Shabbos with his Rebbe. But a strange thing happened. Every time the Chayzer of Lublin, who at that time was Rebbe Yankov Yitzchak of Lancet, every time he would come to Lezhensk, Rebbe Melech would jump up from his seat, 
run to the door to greet the Chayza and say to him, Shalom Aleichem Lublina Rebbe. Shalom Aleichem, the Rebbe of Lublin. At that time, nobody knew that the Chayza was going to be one day the famous Rebbe of Lublin, many years later. At that time, he was known as the Lanzaterov. The Rebbe Melech would greet him already as the Lublin Rebbe, because Rebbe Melech also had Ruach HaKadosh, and he saw into the future that this, will, this man will be the famous Chayza of Lublin, one day. One day, the Chayza of Lublin was traveling to his Rebbe, to Lizensk, and on the way, he stopped over in a city. He stopped over in a city where there was a Rav, and the Chayza had to daven Shachis. It's time to daven Shachis. He still had a way to go to Lezhensk. So he's not going to daven on the wagon. So he stopped over in the shul in that town to daven Shachis. In that shul there was a Rav, as I mentioned before. And that Rav davened with great kavana And with great hislavos. You know what hislavos is? With great excitement. And the Chayza was very impressed with the davening of that Rav. The Rav of that city. He couldn't stop himself and wait. So immediately after the Rav finished Shemona Esrei, he's very excited, Shemona Esrei, he went over to the Rav and said to him, tell me, are you going to some tzaddik that can teach you how to serve Hashem? So this Rav said, no. She said, I think you should go to a tzaddik because I see the way you daven and I'm impressed with your davening. And I think if you were to go to a great tzaddik, he could guide you how to serve Hashem even better. Because sometimes there are neshamas that very much want to serve Hashem, and they have a great excitement in davening, but they need still guidance. And only the great tzaddik, the nasi of the generation, can really guide those neshamas to really accomplish great things in their avodas Hashem. So this Rav says, I don't go to any tzaddik. Where would you suggest that I go to? The Chayzeh said, I'm going to the great tzaddik, Rebbe the Melech of Lijensk. In Poland, he was one of the greatest tzaddikim. And I think that he could guide you in how to serve Hashem better. Because I see your neshama thirst for greater uh, levels of Avedis Hashem. So the Rav says, listen, I would love to go, but today I'm very busy in the city. I'm the Rav of the city. I've got a whole bunch, a whole schedule ahead of me with many busy things for the community. I can't actually leave today. So the Chayza said, listen, I really love you. I really have you know, gotten to like you. And I am happy to wait for a few days until you're not busy so we can travel together to the great Rabbi of Lezhansk. And I will introduce you to him. So the Rav was very excited, and he told him, thank you very much. He gave the Chayza a place to stay, and he waited for a few days, and when he got free, both he and the Chayza, the Rav and of the town, and the Chayza, hopped onto a wagon, and they went to Lizhensk. As soon as they got to Lizhensk, the Chayza took the Rav and said, listen, I'm going to go, I'm going to introduce you to my great holy Rebbe, and they walked to the room of Rebbe Melech and they knocked on the door and they entered. Now, as I said before, normally Rebbe Melech 
even before the Chayzer would open the door, Rabbi Lamech already felt that the Chayzer is coming, he would jump up from his seat and run to the door and say, Shalom Aleichem, the Lublina Rebbe. But, this time, to the Chayzer's surprise and disappointment, Rabbi Lamech turned his face to the window and looked outside through the window and when the Chayz and the Rav walked in, all they saw is the back of Rebbe Lamelech. Rebbe Lamelech didn't even turn her around to say hello. Shalom Aleichem. So the Chayz thought, um, thought it was just an accident. So they waited. They waited for a few hours for Rebbe Lamelech to turn his face around so they could talk to him. And the Chayz could introduce his Rav to Rebbe Lamelech. But Rebbe Lamelech did none of that. He stayed there for a few hours, and they waited and waited and waited. Finally, the Chayzer thought, okay, maybe this is not a good time to talk to the Rebbe. Let's go out. We'll come back a little later. They go out. A few hours later, they go back. And the Chayzer knocks on the door and opens the door. And again, Rebbe Lamelech has turned his face to the window, standing by the window the other way, the other direction, with his back to them, looking outside, and does not turn around, even for a second. They waited, and they waited, they waited, nothing. Now the Chazer thought, there's something here. This is not just an accident. This is not just, you know, incidental. There's something really going on. Why is my Rebbe not turning around? I know usually, even before I open the door, he knows I'm coming, and he jumps up, and runs to greet me. Now he doesn't even turn around when I'm in the room. It doesn't make sense. Maybe it's something about me. Maybe the Rebbe feels I did some avail and he can't look at my face. You know, great tzaddikim, when they see somebody does even a tiny avail, they're very uncomfortable looking at the face of a Russia. Right? And I remember when I was a yeshiva bacher in Bunoir, we had a great mashpia. His name was Reb Nissen. And once by a Fabrengen, Reb Nissen would say that when he sits by the Rebbe's Fabrengen, he feels very uncomfortable because we can see when the Rebbe, between Sichas, looks around the whole 770, looks at everybody and says, L'chaim, says how embarrassing it is when the Rebbe looks at your face and knows everything you did. And I remember that the few years... And I remember, I remember a few years later I remember a few years later, Rabbi Nissen was in 770, and I looked at Rabbi Nissen's face. Rabbi Nissen was a very, very great chassid who worked on himself day and night. He was an Eved Hashem. And I remember when I looked at his face, when the Rebbe stopped talking and started looking around everybody in the face, he would lower his face and his face would turn red like an embarrassment. Because he would really feel like how can I show my face to the Rebbe? The Rebbe can see right through me how embarrassing it is that I have to show my face to the Rebbe. So, great tzaddikim can see through the face everything that goes on in your life. So, the Chayzeh thought that, listen, I mean, Rebbe Lamelech sees something in me and that's why he can't look at my face. You see, here you see the great tzaddikim of the Chayzeh too. He didn't think it was somebody else's fault. He thought, it must be my problem. Maybe there's uh, something wrong with me, and that's why the Rebbe can't look at my face. So he started doing tshuva. And he searched and searched and searched. 
and he couldn't find anything really wrong with himself. And you have to understand, a tzaddik like the Chayza wasn't looking for real Averis, because real Averis was out of the question. He was a tzaddik. But for a tzaddik, an Averis can mean something very, very refined. Maybe a poor man was walking by, and he didn't notice him, and he forgot to give him a coin of tzedakah. Right? Or maybe when he was davening and he had great kavana, right? For a moment, a thought came into his mind, but he immediately pushed away that thought that was not part of the davening and went back to his davening. Maybe something. But he couldn't even find that kind of avera. But he did shuva anyway, just in case. But still, the rabbi wouldn't turn around. So then he decided, oh, oh, maybe, maybe, maybe it's not because of me that the Rebbe doesn't turn around. Maybe the Rebbe Lemelech doesn't turn around because of the love that came with me. You see, only after he searched inside himself to see if he did something wrong and do tshuva, did he start thinking that maybe somebody else is at fault. See, he always looks first inside himself. And so he thought, let me try out an experiment. You know what an experiment means? I'm going to try out a test. I'm going to make a test. Whether it's me or maybe it's the Rav. So he and the Rav walked out and said, listen, I guess the Rav is not ready to see us today. And a few minutes later, the Chayzer went back himself. As soon as he tried to open the door, the Bilmanach ran to the door and opened the door for him and said, Shalom Aleichem, the Rav Ovalopli. So the Chayzer knew by this that the reason Rabbi Lamelech did not turn around before is not because of him, but because of the Rav that was with him. So he was very surprised. He saw the Rav was, was davening with such kavana, with such excitement, and he was so excited to come to see a great tzaddik that would guide him in Abedith Hashem. You could really see that he had the desire to serve Hashem. How come Rabbi Malach wouldn't look at his face? So he said to, Rabbi, to his Rebbe, Rabbi Malach says, Rebbe, I had a Rav, a guest with me before, but I wanted to introduce you to him. So Rabbi Malach says, yes, who is this Russia, this evil Russia that you brought into my room? I couldn't even look at his face. I had to turn around. You kept him here for hours, and, and I was forced to look the other way for hours. Who was this guy? Rabbi the Melech, Rabbi the Chayza said to his Rebbe, Oy vey, what do you mean? Did I make a mistake? I was in Istana, I was traveling, and I saw him dabbling with great kavana, and I saw he really, really loved serving Hashem. But, but, you know, is he really a Russia? Could it really be that he tricked me? Didn't sound like it. It sounded he was very sincere. He really wanted to dive into Hashem and serve Hashem. He came with me because he wanted to see you. So the Melech said, let me tell you. He definitely has a desire to serve Hashem. But I want you to know that when he davens, every time the Yetzirah and the Sitra Achre. You know what the Sitra Achre is? The evil side. The Satan. They give him energy and strength to daven. And all his davening goes to the evil side. Why? 
Because when he started davening with great kavana, he did it for covet, as a Balgaivia. He thought people would think he's a great tzaddik, people would respect him and say, oh, he's not just a great rav who knows how to learn, he also serves Hashem with great kavana, and people would be very excited of him. And because he started serving Hashem because of, because of Gaiva, so he would get covered, now all his davening comes from the evil side and goes to Klippa. Klippa means the evil. And he is like a captive of, of the Satan. All his davening gives strength to evil. It doesn't go to Hashem. He goes to the evil side. So the Chayza was very, very disappointed. So when he left the room of Rabbi Melech, he went to the Rav and told him what Rabbi Melech had just told him. The shocking thing that all his davening is, is, is evil, is bad, because he doesn't, he doesn't do it because he's humble to Hashem, because he wants to be close to Hashem. He wants people to respect him. So the Rav started crying bitterly. Because deep inside he really wanted to serve Hashem. But he couldn't help it because he had a Yitzhahara for Gaiva. So he started crying bitterly and said to the Chayza, please go tell your Rebbe that I really want to do tshuva and he should show me how I can fix my problem of serving Hashem with Gaiva. Because I really want to serve Hashem in a proper way. And he started crying, crying bitterly. So the Chayza went back to his Rebbe and said, Rebbe, please help this love. He really wants to do the right thing. Could you help him? Help him fix and change his ways. So the Melech said to the Chayza, I can't help him. But very soon my brother Rebzusha is coming to visit me. And together I and him will find a way of guiding him away from this service of Hashem which he's doing now which is not a good way of serving Hashem because it's all gaiva and all the service comes to the, to the Yetzirah and not to, the, to, the, to Hashem and when he comes Rabzusha together will be able to help him and what do we learn from this story? that sometimes you can have a lot of kavana and davna and teire, but it all comes from gaiva because you want people to respect you and true Avedis Hashem, serving Hashem means that you serve Hashem because you're humble, because you really want a connection to Hashem. You realize how small you are and how infinitely great Hashem is and what a privilege it is, what a schos it is for you to be able to be close to Hashem and you feel so humble that Hashem even wants you to connect to Him. You don't care about what people think whether people think good of you or bad of you, doesn't matter to you. doesn't bother you at all. The Gera Rebbe, the first Gera Rebbe, the Chedusha Harim, once told the story, he told the story about the Chedusha Harim, a story about the Chedusha of Lublin, that once on Hanukkah, a group of his Hasidim of the Chayza of Lublin's Hasidim went to visit their Rebbe. And one of the Hasidim brought with him a letter right, to the Chayza from one of his friends 
one of his friends who couldn't come to the Khaizan, to his level, sent a letter with his name and his mother's name, right, the way it's the custom to, to write your name to a Rebbe, to the Rebbe Shadavan for you. And this Chosek brought this letter from his friend. When the Rebbe looked at all the letters and he came to the letter of that friend, he immediately spat. He started spitting like somebody's disgusted. So, like disgusted, like he couldn't stand it. He didn't move. Because the Chosek, when he saw the name in a letter, he immediately saw everything about the person. And he saw something very bad and very disgusting about this person. So it caused him to, like, throw up. <coughs> in the evening, this was during the day. In the evening, you know, during Hanukkah candle lighting, the Chazit decided to give the letter again to the Rebbe, so the Rebbe should read it, and maybe now he'll give him the bracha. When the Rebbe took the letter again and looked at it, said, oh, this man, he shines in all the upper worlds and in the lower worlds. He shines everywhere. I see him shining. Not only here in this world, but in the upper world as well. And then the Rebbe added, the first time when you gave me the letter, he turned to the Chassid who wrote the letter. The first time you gave me the letter, that person who wrote the letter, that Chassid, a friend of yours, was playing cards, gambling for money. And gambling for money with cards is a big Avera. And because he was involved in an Avera, I saw evil. I saw bad things on him. But the second time he gave it to me, he was in the middle of lighting Hanukkah in his town, far away. At that moment, his neshama was shining with such a bright Light, a halika light, that all the higher worlds were shining with that light. What does the story tell us? The story tells us that when you do a mitzvah, every avera you do makes you part of evil. And every mitzvah you do, even if you're a simple person, you're not a great tzaddik, but at that moment when you do a mitzvah, you are now connected to Hashem. And a mitzvah is a light. What does it, what does it say? In, in Mishlei, from Shleim HaMelech, Shleim HaMelech says, Ner mitzvah. Mitzvah is a light. What is a mitzvah? It's a light from Hashem. The Rishama is a light. And a mitzvah is a light. And when you do a mitzvah, your Rishama begins to shine with Hashem's light. Not only in this world, but even the Malachim feel the light. And they get excited by the mitzvah. What an amazing thing a mitzvah is. Right? Even if you're a Russia one minute, but the minute you do a mitzvah, you become a shining light of Hashem. That's the message of the story. Now, the next story is about the Bzusha. The Bzusha of Anipoli. This story is mentioned in a number of places. Oh. And uh, the Tzemach Tzedek mentions that story in one of his Maimorim as well. Um, the, the Gemara tells us 
that Reb Pinchas ben Yoyer, Reb Pinchas ben Yoyer was a very Halik Tzadik. He was one of the Tanoim. We don't have any halachas which he taught, any laws that he taught in the Gemara. All we know about him from the Gemara, right, is that he was a, um, a great Tzadik who performed many, many miracles. Many Nisim did he perform. And, and nobody, but nobody so, Rabbi ben Yoyer was once traveling on the road because he was going to save some people who were in a dungeon for no justified reason. As you know, many people, you know, many Jewish people would sometimes be victims of some bad, evil rulers who would take the Jews who couldn't pay their taxes or their rent because they were too poor and then he would throw them into a dungeon. So, the Pinochus ben was going to help these Jews by raising money so he could pay the ransom to those terrible rulers. A ransom means uh, the money that the ruler wanted before he would be willing to let the Jew out of the dungeon. So, Rapinchas ben Yoyer went and collect, went to raise money. He went from town to town and went to do the mitzvah of Pidyon Shavuyim. It's one of the very important mitzvahs in the Jewish tradition. You go and raise money to help people who are unfortunately trapped in the prison because of some evil ruler or governor or pirates who, who took the Jew and put him in prison in captivity. Rabbinchaz used to do that very often. Once he was on such a journey and he was crossing, um, he had to cross a river. And the name of the river was Ginai. Ginai River, they called it. Now, there were no boats and he needed to rush quickly because it was very, very late. He had to go save this Jewish life from, from the prison and he had to get there on time. So, Rapinchas took his staff and pointed it to the river and said to the river, Ginoia River, split for me. I need to cross you so I can get to the other side to save the life of another person. And the river refused. So, Rapinchas now commanded the river and said, if you don't split for me now, I will make a decree that Hashem will listen to me because I know Hashem listens when I want something. I have experience when I say something, Hashem does what I, what I say. As it says, great tzaddikim, Hashem listens to their wishes because everything they want they do it only for Hashem's honor they don't do it for themselves for Gaiva so Hashem does what they want because they're true servants of Hashem so I will tell Hashem that there should never be water flowing through you again and you'll dry up completely so the river heard that 
the river split. Now, I want you to know that it doesn't mean that the water in the river spoke. Water doesn't have a mouth. But what it means is everything in the physical world has a malach and shemaim that gives it life. The Pilchus Ben-Yar was such a heilik tzaddik that he could speak to the malach which was in charge of that river. And the malach didn't want to split. Why? Because he said, Hashem created this river and made me in charge of that river for a reason. Who are you to say that I can't that I can't flow, I should stop flowing, I should split in half. That's not what Hashem wanted me to do. In fact, the Gemara says that when Rapilchas Bayer said, split for me, the river said, wait a second, this is what Hashem told me to do, is to flow. Now, who should I listen to? To Hashem, who told me that my nature is to flow, this is the nature of water, and Hashem is the one who made nature the way it is. And you, the Prince of tells me not to flow. Should I listen to you or to Hashem? What do you think? The Prince of was a great tzaddik. He probably would know the answer to such a question. So the Prince said, well, I'm also going to do Hashem's mitzvah. I'm going to save lives. And therefore, you need to split so that I can do my mitzvah to save another life. And so the river split. And then Rapinus Bajari crossed the river to the other side, and on the way he came to the town where Rabbi, Rabbi, Rabbi Yehuda Hanasi, Rabbi Yehuda the Prince, who wrote the Mishnah, the famous author of the Mishnah, lived. And Rabbi was very rich. And Rabbi had a huge mansion because he was so rich. But don't forget, the Rebbe was a great tzaddik. And you think he had a lot of money and had a lot of fun with that money? No way. Rebbe used every penny he had only for mitzvahs. He didn't enjoy it the way many rich people enjoy their money. They have a lot of fun and buy fancy things. Rebbe used everything he had only for Hashem. In fact, before Rebbe was nostalgic, before Rebbe passed away, the, the Gemara tells us Rebbe raised his hands to Shemayim, to the heavens, like it's a way of saying, I promise, right? You raise your hand is a way of making a shvua, or a, making a promise that what you're saying is true, 100%, without a shadow of a doubt. And Rebbe said, he raised his hands up to the heavens and said, I want, I want everybody to know that I never enjoyed one little bit of the physical world. I never had pleasure from that. All my pleasure came from Tehran and from serving Hashem. But the Rebbe had a lot of money and a big house, and he wanted to use it for a mitzvah, and he heard that the great tzaddik Rapinachas Ben-Yuri is about to come to town. So he quickly sent messengers to meet him and to find him and to bring him to his house. They should at least have this chos Rabbi wanted this curse of having Rapinchas Biyari eat in his house. Right. He wanted to do the big mitzvah Nasas Archim, and especially such an Eirech, such a guest. So, 
He told the servants in this kitchen to prepare a lavish meal, a great, wonderful meal for such a great tzaddik. And he went and sent and sent messengers, and they found the Pinchas Bayar. And Pinchas Bayar heard that the Rebbe wants to talk to him. He came to speak to him. But in the end, but Pinchas ben Yoyer told Rebbe that he will not eat in his house. He will not eat in Rebbe's house. Rebbe was very disappointed. And Rebbe said, why don't you want to eat in my house? I beg you, please give me the honor, give me the schos of having you in my house. And Rebbe said, no. And he said, why? Did you make a nether, Rebbe said to Rebbe Chazmiyar, that you'll never enjoy anything from any other Jewish person in your, in, the, in your life? So Rabbi Nuzhar said, no, no, chas v'shalom. He says, all Jewish people are holy. And all of them love the mitzvah of Achnasas Archim. Right? You know that we had a great, 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 great grandfather, Avraham Avinu, who showed us how to do the mitzvah of Achnasas Archim, even to strangers. And we all inherited that gift from Avraham Avinu to do the mitzvah of Achnasas Archim. So all hidden Akedoshim, he said, all hidden holy people, yes, he says, there are differences. Some Jewish people love to invite guests to their house, but they unfortunately don't have food on the table to give. They wish they can do the mitzvah, but sometimes they can't do it because they don't have any money, they don't have any food to give, so they can't do it. Then there are Jewish people who have money and they have lots of food. They're rich, but they're very, very stingy. They don't like to share their money with others. So they really don't enjoy having a guest and giving for free some of their food to others. So there are some that have but don't want to give. But they're all Halik. They're all Tzadikim. They're all Halik. But since there are some that don't like to give, even though they're also Halik, they're also Kedashim, I don't want to eat because sometimes it's not good to eat in, in a house where you're not sure the person really wants to give it to you. In the end, Rapinachas ben Yari, to make a long story short, did not eat in Rebbe's house. Rebbe was very disappointed. And Rapinchas Bayer left. And the, the Gemara adds that Rapinchas Bayer never, from the time he was a young child, never, never ate a piece of bread which wasn't his. Some tzaddikim had this kind of derech, this kind of way of serving Hashem, that they never ate anything from someone else. They only ate something which was theirs. This may have to do with the fact that great tzaddikim, whenever they ate something, they only ate it l'shem shamayim for Hashem. They knew that every, why did Hashem make us hungry? Because every piece of food has a spark of kedusha, a spark of Hashem in it. And when a yid who has an neshama eats that food, and he eats the food so he can daven better without energy, 
that that spark of Kedusha, of Halikite, of, of Hashem, which is in that food, is revealed. It comes out of that physical food and rises up to Hashem and makes the physical food also more Halik. So, certain tzaddikim only wanted to eat when they felt that certain sparks they must elevate, they must get involved with. If it was food which wasn't theirs, they felt that means it's not connected to their neshama, so they don't want to eat it. But that's a side note. Now, the story goes that Zusha once learned this Gemara, and he was very disturbed. He couldn't understand what the Pinchas ben was telling Rebbe. The Pinchas ben is telling Rebbe, listen, all halik. I'm not judgmental. I don't mean to say that some Jews I don't want to eat from. Every yid is very good. Yes, there are differences. Sometimes there are Jewish people that don't have, but they really want to do the mitzvah. Unfortunately, they can't do it. And then there are Jewish people who have, but they have a Yitzhahara that makes them being miserly and not give to others. And even they are Halik. So the Bishop couldn't understand. Why are those people Halik? He couldn't understand. Why does the Prince of say everybody's Halik? But then he says that there are some Jews who have a lot of money and don't want to give it. Now, this is a question that many commentaries had, including Toysfus. You know what Toysfus is? Toysfus is, is, a, is, a, is a commentary on the Gemara written a, a little bit after Rashi's time. It's, it's commentary means a purish, somebody who explains, Chachamim who explained the Gemara. Now, Rashi wrote a commentary on Chumash, an explanation of the Chumash. Rashi wrote a commentary on the Gemara. Now, Rashi's grandchildren had a number of grandchildren who wrote also commentary, like Rabbeinu Tam, Rabbeinu Yitzchak, right? So, Rashi had a number of grandchildren who were also great Chachamim, and they wrote some of the Teisvis. Teisvis is another explanation of the Gemara. In Teisvis, which was, that Teisvis was written by Rabbi Yitzchak, right? And he asked a question, which Reb Zusha also had, how come Reb Pinchas ben Yari calls all Jewish people Halik, even those that have, but don't want to give? So Teisvis, what does Teisvis say? Well, the reason why they're Halik is because they still do it. They don't like it. All Jewish people do Achmas When you go to a city, every house will have guests for Shabbos. But some people do it because they love having a guest. They love the mitzvah so much that they can't wait to have a guest in the house. And then there are others who have a lot of money and they're really inside the Yetzirah makes them feel very, very unhappy about giving their food. But they do it anyways because they're embarrassed. You know, everybody's going to say, what, you don't take any guests into your house? You have so much money? So they feel embarrassed, so they do it anyways. But they do it with a grudge, begrudgingly. You know what begrudgingly means? 
They really don't like to do it, but they do it anyways. But inside, they're not happy doing it. That's why they're hailing, because they're doing it anyways. So Zush is still... They're evil. Inside, the Yetzirah makes them feel very stingy. So why the Halik? They do a mitzvah, but why the Halik? And when Rebzusha didn't understand something, you know what he would do? He would be so upset because he loved the Torah so much. And he felt that he didn't understand something in the Torah that means there's something wrong with him. How come he's the Shana? cannot understand the Torah. That means there's something wrong with him. She started crying. Davening to Hashem, please open up the Torah for me. Open up your Torah, which is for sure infinitely true. But my Neshama can't understand it. Please make me understand the Torah. And what would happen usually is that if he had a question about a certain rose in the Gemara, a Tana or an Amorah, or a Rashi, or a Tesis, he would cry and fall asleep from crying so much. And then that Rav would come to him in the dream and explain the answer. And in this case, this is exactly what happened. He cried and cried and cried till he fell asleep from exhaustion. And Rabbeinu Yitzchak, the one who wrote this explanation in Tesis, came to him in a dream and said to him, don't cry. Don't cry, my child. Zusha, don't cry. I'll tell you what I meant when I wrote this. And he explained to him like this. You should know every mitzvah you do, you create a malach. Any mitzvah, anybody does, creates a malach. Now, a malach has two parts to him. A malach has a body and a neshama. Just like people have a body and a neshama. Except that for a malach, the body is not like our body, which you can feel with your hands. Yeah. The body of a malach is more refined. We can't see it with our eyes. We can't feel it with our hands. The Rambam says that the body of a malach is made out of very abstract things. You know what abstract means? Very refined things. Like the element of fire and the element of air. We don't know exactly what that means, but it's like something very refined that we can't see or feel. But the, the Malach also has an Ashama, which is Ruchnias, it's spiritual. Okay? Now, when you do a mitzvah, you create a Malach, a good Malach, a Heilike Malach in the heavens that sins to Hashem. When you do the act of a mitzvah, every mitzvah has an act. You light a Shabbos candle, you take your hand, with a match, and you light a candle. If you put on tefillin, then you take the tefillin, put it on your arm. You give tzedakah, you take your hand, you, you grab a coin, you put it in the tzedakah box. Every act is a physical act with your hand. You do something physical. And what happens, you create the body of the malach through the physical act. But there's another part to every mitzvah which every Jew must keep in mind. It's not enough to just do a mitzvah. What Hashem really wants us to do is that when we do a mitzvah, we also serve Him with our heart, with our feelings, and with our thoughts. He doesn't just want us to do something with our hands and feet. He wants us to have kavana, a love for Him while we do the mitzvah. Be excited about the mitzvah. 
and understand how wonderful this mitzvah is. Learning everything we can learn about the mitzvah of tzedakah, why tzedakah is so important, and why lighting Shabbos candles is so important, and why keeping Shabbos is so important. And when we do those mitzvahs with understanding, then we begin to feel a love for Hashem, and we're excited about doing a mitzvah. We do it with simcha. Now that kavana, that feeling in the heart, which we do, which we feel when we do the mitzvah, that creates the neshama, the ruchnius of the malach, because that's ruchnius. It's kavana, it's feelings, not like the physical act. There's the act of the mitzvah, which is physical with your hands, and then there's the feeling. Now the Rabbi Yitzchak said to the position. What happens when a Jew wants to do a mitzvah, but doesn't have money, he's poor, he wishes, and he's so upset. So he has the kavana, he's excited about doing achnasas archim, but he can't do it physically. He can't actually go out and buy bread and feed a guest. So what happens now? He creates the neshama of a malach. Well, what good is it to have a neshama of a malach without the body of a malach? So, what does Hashem do? Hashem finds another Jew who is the opposite. He has plenty of money and can give bread to a guest, but doesn't do it because he is not excited about it. In fact, he wishes he doesn't have to do it. But he's embarrassed from the neighbors and his friends so they would say, ah, you're a stingy, you don't want to do a mitzvah, so he does it anyways. So he does the act of the mitzvah feeding, but he doesn't have the kavana, he doesn't have the simcha, he doesn't have the excitement and the joy. So he creates the body of a malach without the neshama of the malach. So what good is it to have a body without a neshama of a malach? So what does Hashem do? He takes the neshama which the Jew created the other Jew. The Jew that wants so badly to do the mitzvah, they can't do it. And he creates a neshama with his kavana and takes the body of the other Jew and pours them, pairs them together. And now you have a living malach with a neshama and a guf. So between the two Jewish people, you have a complete malach. Because it says that all Jewish people are really connected to each other. We can't see it. It could be a Jew living in Russia and a Jew living in, 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 in Brooklyn or in Ithaca, New York. But our neshamas are interconnected. So when a Jew does a mitzvah in Russia, it has a connection to the mitzvah the Jew does in New York City. And imagine in Russia before the communists went away. Remember there was a time in Russia where the Jewish people couldn't do mitzvahs because the Russian government didn't let Jews be Jewish? And, and there were Jewish people, and there were Jewish people who... Well, they hide. They hid many times. And many times they had to hide to make Shabbos in a basement, in a cellar. And the KGB, the secret police, would come and arrest them. Sometimes they couldn't eat matzah and Pesach because they didn't, couldn't find flour because the government wouldn't let them bake matzah. They would put them in prison. But they wanted so badly to do a mitzvah. And many times the Rebbe would mention in a Fabrengen how he got a letter from a Russian Jew who couldn't do the mitzvah of matzah. And he was crying in prison because he couldn't do the mitzvah. 
And the Rebbe would cry, look, what a special Jew. The Jew wants to do the mitzvah, but he can't. Now what happens now? Hashem takes the kavanah of this Jew, and unfortunately there are a lot of Jews who do the mitzvah of matzah, and they have the opportunity, they have the chance to do it, but they don't have a lot of kavanah. And together we create a helik amalach. That's what Rabbeinu Yitzchak said to Rebzusha. He said, what I meant to say is, all yidden together create holy things, kedoshim. Together they create holy things. Between the Jew that has kavanah and the Jew that does the mitzvah without kavanah, you create complete malachim. And he also said to him, I want you to know that in the Gemara it says that sometimes Hashem takes a good thought and pairs it up with an action. What does that mean? The Gemara is talking about a someone who really would love to do a mitzvah, but can't do it. So the Gemara says, it's as if he did it. Hashem takes a good thought. If you really would like to do something, but you can't, it's as if you did it. So Rabbi Nisot said, but that's not exactly what it says. This is the way everybody understands his Gemara. But really, the, the, the language, the words of the Gemara is, Hashem pairs it up with an action. It doesn't say it's as if he did it. Why does it say that? Because it's exactly for what he explained before. That this thought, the kavana, is paired up with an action of another person and together they create a malach. And the Rabbi Yisrael concluded, he said, I want you to know, Zusha, that the same is true for a bracha. When a Jew makes a bracha, the Jew should make it loud so somebody else can say Amen. Because every bracha creates the body of a malach. And when somebody says Amen, he adds the neshama to the malach. So what happens when a Jew is alone in a room? He would love someone to say Amen, but there's no one there to say Amen, to hear the bracha. So he says, you know what the answer is? The solution is, let him have a lot of kavana. Let him get excited about the bracha. And when he gets excited about the bracha, the kavana creates the neshama for the malach. So even if there's no one say, there saying amen, his kavana will add the neshama to the malach, which is created by the bracha. Rabbi Yitzchak also added one more thing. He said, in Rosh Hashanah Machzer, when we daven, in the Chazorah Hashats, in the repetition of the Shemona Esrei, we say a whole bunch of lines which, complete, which conclude with the word Kadesh, right? Halik, holy. And one of the last verses, sentences of that poem um, is, goes like this. The Hu Be'echot talks about Hashem. Hashem is one. And who can answer him? Or who can turn to him? And whatever he desires, Hashem desires, he does. No one can stop Hashem from doing what he wants. He's awesome and he's halik, he's holy. Now everything in the davening and the chumash can have many, many 
interpretations, many meanings. He said, there's another meaning to this line. I guess this is the way they read it in Gan Eden. You know, everything we learn here on earth, they also learn in Gan Eden. And sometimes Gan Eden has a whole different meaning than the way it means here on earth. It says, the Huba Echot does not refer to Hashem, but refers to a person, a Yid, a Jew. A Jew is Echot. Imagine a Jew is alone in a room. Who can answer him? There's no one there to answer Amen to his Blacha. So what should he do? He doesn't want to create a half a Malach, a lifeless Malach, a Malach without a Neshama. So the answer is that he should have a desire. His Neshama should want, should desire to do the mitzvah, to do the bracha. And from this kavana and this excitement of saying the bracha, is vayas, he's going to make, create a malach. And noyel of he's going to create a, an awesome holy malach because he said a bracha with kavana. And that was the end of the dream that Reb heard. And when he woke up, he was very happy because he understood what the Gemara means. It shows us how many things in the Gemara, or Rashi, or Tesis, these were very Helike Chachamim, who sometimes said things that to us don't seem clear, don't seem understandable, but in essence, they are very deep, and there's a lot of um, meaning that we don't understand yet. And Reb Zusha, because he wanted so badly to understand the depth of the Torah, Hashem gave him the gift that when he cried, the author, the Tana, the Amira, or the Baltasvis, who wrote that Pirush, that explanation, would come to him himself and give him the deeper meaning of what he said.